You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click Donate. Those who read the Jesus story from within communities of people facing marginalization regularly see in Jesus' crucifixion a, a deep solidarity with those on the margins in Jesus' day and also those in the same class today. And Jesus and the God Jesus preached are on the side of those who are being marginalized. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 258 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee might have to offer us today in our work of survival, resistance, liberation, reparation, and transformation. Our title this week is The Violence Inherent in the System, and our feature text is Mark 10, 32 through 30. They were on the road going up to to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. He took the twelve aside again and began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priest and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles. In our last podcast or East Side article, um, Jesus from the Edges, we focused on the importance of, of listening to the theologies that arise from the experiences of communities of people who daily bump into or bump up against uh, oppression, marginalization, and or subjugation. And, and, and these sources are contrasted with theologies that come out of a, a more privileged social location in our society. As womanist theologian Jacqueline Grant writes, liberation theologies, including Christian feminist charged that the experience out of which Christian theology has emerged is not universal experience, but the experience of the dominant culture. Liberationists therefore propose that theology must emerge out of a particular experience out of particular experiences of the oppressed people of God. And James Cone also wrote, oh, by the way, that, that statement from Jacqueline Grant, it's from White Women's Christ and Black Women's Jesus so on page one in on page 10. James Cohen also writes in the, his book, God of the Oppressed, page 107, few, if any, of the early church fathers grounded their Christological arguments in the concrete history of Jesus of Nazareth. Consequently, little is said about the significance of his ministry to the poor as a definition of his person. The Nicene father showed little interest in the Christological significance of Jesus's deeds for the humiliated because most of the discussion took place in the social context of the church's position as the favored religion of the Roman state. And again, that's God of the Oppressed 107. So from my own experience, I know that, that those on the margins of society, they see things in the Jesus story that those more centered in society just simply miss. And, and this doesn't mean that some people have no blind spots. We all have blind spots. But in learning to listen to one another— especially the voice of the voices of those who, who are rarely given the mic. We discover our blind spots and we, we can move toward a, 
what I believe is a path of compassion and justice for everyone. And given this reality, I would like to spend the next few e-sides or podcasts contemplating the closing events of the Jesus story through the lens of the experiences of oppressed communities and the life actions that these insights call us to engage as a result. One of these insights that has impacted my own theology for the better, it's, it's been life-giving and, and born really healthy fruit, and that's the insight uh, of the, the interpreting Jesus' death, um, uh, the crucifixion, that it was not for the purpose of satisfying divine wrath or satisfying honor or justice, but instead it was an act of injustice. It was an expression of the violence inherent in unjust political, social, economic, and religious systems. And to our best knowledge, the earliest version of the Jesus story is the Gospel of Mark. And three times in that Gospel, Jesus reveals that he understands that his actions in Jerusalem, in the temple there, will lead to his arrest and his crucifixion by the Romans. You can find that in Mark 8, 31 through 34, Mark 9, 30 through 32, and Mark 10, 32 through 34. And Mark's point is that the crucifixion was a direct response to the political, social, and economic, and, and even religious actions that Jesus took in the temple in Jerusalem, which was the, the, the heart of the, the temple state. Kelly Brown Douglas, in her book, Stand Your Ground, Black Bodies and the Justice of God, page 171, she writes, in Jesus's first century world, Crucifixion was the brutal tool of social political power. It was reserved for slaves, enemy soldiers, and those held in the highest contempt and lowest regard in society. To be crucified was, for the most part, an indication of how worthless and devalued an individual was in the eyes of established power. At the same time, it indicated how much of a threat that person was believed to pose. Crucifixion was reserved for those who threatened the peace of the day, or the Pax Romana. It was a torturous death that was also meant to send a message, disrupt the Roman order in any way, and this too will happen to you. There, as there is a lynch class of people, there was without a doubt a crucified class of people. The crucified class in the first century Roman world was the same as the lynched class today. It consisted of those who were castigated and demonized as well as those who defied the status quo. Crucifixion was a stand-your-ground type of punishment for the treasonous offenses of violating the Roman, uh, uh, the rule of Roman law and order. And when one interprets, uh, uh, along with Kelly Brown Douglas, when one interprets what we call uh, Jesus's triumphal entry as, as it was supposed to climax in the his temple protest, it makes a lot of sense to understand the cross as, as the response response of the powers that were in control at that time. Crucifixion, Martin Hengel tells us in his book, Crucifixion, page 87, crucifixion was and remains a political and military punishment. Among the Romans, it was inflicted above all on the lower classes, i.e. slaves, violent criminals, and the unruly elements in rebellious provinces, not least Judea. These were primarily people who, on the whole, had no rights, in other words, groups whose development had to be suppressed by all possible means to safeguard 
safeguard law and order in the state. And in Mark's gospel, Jesus doesn't die so that, that people can go to heaven when they die. And, 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 and please notice this. In Mark's gospel, Jesus dies because he stood up to the status quo. One's social location uh, enables one to either see the relevance of this story detail or to miss this point entirely. James Cohn, he, he makes the same point in his classical book, A Black Theology of Liberation. Uh, this is on page 158 through 159. He says, what is most ironic is that white lynchers of blacks in America were not regarded as criminals like Jesus. Blacks were the criminals and the insurrectionists. The lynchers were the good citizens who often did not even bother to hide their identities. They claimed to be acting as citizens and Christians as they crucified blacks in the same manner as the Romans lynched Jesus. White theologians in the past century have written thousands of books about Jesus's cross without remarking on the analogy between the crucifixion of Jesus and the lynching of black people. And and, and yet for own, his own experience as a black man in America, it enabled him to see the cross as a violent act of injustice by an oppressive system. Seeing Jesus's crucifixion in this light, it, it helped him to, to make sense of his own experience, and it also uh, helped him to stand up to the injustice that he that he faced. And, and he says in the, his book, uh, the introduction to the, his book, The Cross and the Lynching Tree, the cross helped me to deal with the brutal legacy of the lynching tree, and the lynching tree helped me to understand the tragic meaning of the cross. I believe that the cross placed alongside the lynching tree can help us see Jesus in America in a new light and thereby empower people who claim to follow him to take a stand against white supremacy and every kind of injustice. So in Mark's gospel, again, we read, when they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village ahead of you. And immediately as you enter it, you'll find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone's says to you, why are you doing this? Just say this, the Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. And as they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus, threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem. And this is Mark chapter 11, 1 through 11. This is verse 11, and verse 11 is, is, is so important. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple temple, and when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. And, and, and notice, this was a, a planned demonstration by Jesus. Echoing Zechariah 9, 9, Jesus' entry to Jerusalem that day on that colt, it was to 
It was to culminate in a dramatic temple protest. He 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 comes in uh, on the back of this colt and and he goes directly to the temple and that's when he was supposed to originally overturn the tables. Yet according to Mark, there was one flaw in his plan. When he finally arrived at the temple, it was already late in the day and the majority of the people they'd returned home for for a demonstration or a a protest to have effect. It must have witness. There has to be people around to see it. So what does Jesus do? He returns with the 12 and he spends the night in Bethany. Most likely, I think, the, the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, his friends there in Bethany. And, and it delays the final act of his demonstration for the following day. And that's where we pick it up in verse 12, 12 through 16. On the following day, they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling and those who were buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves, and he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. So notice that these two events, they were supposed to be originally connected. They, they, they weren't to happen separately, but, but they were supposed to happen together. Jesus entering Jerusalem on a donkey and then overturning the tables in protest against how the, the poor were being exploited by the temple state, that was all intended to be one action, not two separate actions on, on, on consecutive days, two consecutive days. But nevertheless, Jesus' action on that second day, it was enough to still threaten the powers. And before the end of the week, uh, Luke twenty two fifty two tells us he was arrested by the police, and and before the end of the week, we find him hanging on a a, a Roman cross. And and what does the cross say first to those who are also facing marginalization within their larger society today? Those who read the Jesus story from within communities of people who are are facing marginalization, they regularly see in Jesus's crucifixion a deep solidarity with those on the margins in Jesus' day and also those in the same quote-unquote class today. Jesus and the, and, and the God that Jesus preached, they're on the side of those who are being marginalized. This is Kelly Brown Douglas once again, same book, page 171, that Jesus was crucified affirms his absolute identification with the Trayvons, the Jordans, the Renishas, the Jonathans, and all the other victims of the Stand Your Ground culture war. Jesus's identification with the lynched crucified class is not accidental. It is intentional. It did not begin with his death on the cross. In fact, that Jesus was crucified signals his prior bond with the crucified class of his day. And James Cone, again, Cross on the Lynching Tree, page 26, the cross places God in the midst of a crucified people, in the midst of people who are being hung, shot, burned, and tortured. And so what then is our first takeaway this week from from looking at at Jesus's crucifixion through the lens of the experiences of those who belong to oppressed communities? Uh, Jesus ended up on a a Roman cross, and, and, and the fact that that happened, it tells us that Jesus and Jesus as God stood with those uh, being marginalized over against the violence inherent in the system. And today, um, when we stand alongside those who are being marginalized, who, who face that the, the violence inherent in the system, we're standing with that same Jesus and, and his God uh, uh, too. We'll consider another uh, insight 
insight next week. But for this week, I think that contemplating just this much is is enough. Uh, Jesus and God are on the side of those who are being marginalized, and and we're with God when we're with them. Mark ten thirty two to thirty three. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. He took the twelve aside and began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priest and the scribes. They will condemn him to death, then they will hand him over to the Gentiles. Mark 10, 32-33. Heart group application, what does standing up to injustice like Jesus did in the temple, what does that look like for you um, today in your context? And share, discuss this with your group. And then number two, as a group, choose a, a, and read about an injustice that doesn't apply to you. And, and what's an injustice that another community besides a community that you belong to is facing? And make sure that what you read um, is, is, uh, uh, is by a member of the affected community and, 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 and someone specifically in that community that's directly impacted uh, by that injustice. And then number three, um, how does what you've read impact you? Uh, what would it look like for, for you to stand up to this injustice alongside of those uh, who are impacted and, and, and consider as a follower of Jesus uh, doing so? I'm so glad you've checked in with us this week. Wherever you are today, keep living in love, service survival, resistance, liberation, reparation, and and transformation till the only world that remains is a world where only love, justice, and compassion reigns. Another world is possible. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. (laughs) 